Welcome to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank that brings you market views and insights on the go. Hello, everyone. My name is Jong, and welcome to Through the Noise Podcast. It's the second week of December, and many investors' focus have already shifted to what 2024 will look like in markets. However, this is also a good time to reflect on the year that was and how it set us up for both the rest of December and as a starting point for next year. To do this, today we have with us Manpreet Gill, our CIO for Africa, Middle East and Europe. Hello Manpreet. We started the year with widespread pessimism across markets in anticipation of recessions in the US and Europe. But we ended the year with US and European equity markets near all-time highs. Not only that, the consensus for 2024 has shifted to a soft landing scenario. What are the takeaways from this rural coastal year for you? Uh, hi, John. Uh, thanks for having me on. Um, you're right, it's been a turbulent year indeed. But be looking beyond the turbulence in major asset classes, I, I think the key takeaway for me is that uh, investors who followed some of the time-tested investment principles have actually still been well rewarded. Um, I mean, just as an example, a, bal- a balanced asset allocation strategy um, actually ended up offering a reasonable return over the full calendar year. Now, to get a little more specific, uh, I draw three lessons uh, from the from the roller coaster year that was. First is the importance of staying invested. Uh, We could almost call this the cardinal rule of preserving and growing wealth. Allocating broadly to a foundation portfolio that consists of stocks, bonds and alternative assets and rebalancing that periodically has historically always helped investors beat cash returns and inflation. This year, for example, investors who sold all equity holdings at the start of the year uh, on worries of a US recession and moved entirely to the so-called safety of developed market government bonds um, end up with returns of only about 2.5%. It's worth reminding ourselves that equities outperform a basic diversified allocation on average of about 7 out of 10 years. So long term, holding a diversified allocation that also includes a sizable allocation to equities uh, based within your own risk tolerance, of course, is actually quite important to achieving long term financial goals. So that's one lesson. A second one, of course, is to stay nimble. Um, So staying invested does not mean just staying with a static allocation through cycles. This year, as an example, again, offered ample opportunities to benefit from such tactical shifts. Um, Now, we know timing the market to perfection over a sustained period is difficult, even for seasoned professionals. But if you look at even our own record of generating positive average annual alpha over the past six years or so, shows there is scope to generate excess returns uh, over and above a static portfolio, at least over the long term. And finally, we think it's still about uh, a third lesson is about staying calm and disciplined. Now, we start the year, as we know, with a pervasive mood of pessimism. Uh, That downbeat consensus at the start of the year made it easier for risk assets like equities to climb the wall of worry in the first half. Then, of course, we had over-exuberance meeting the resurgent bond yields, um, which triggered a pullback in risk assets. But, of course, more recently, both stocks and bonds have rebounded strongly. Looking through all of that, it was a disciplined approach that helps ensure uh, one doesn't get carried away by these swings in sentiment. So I think turbulent here, but I think three important lessons we can take away from it that, that, you know, we think is important to carry into 2024. Not just equities, gold prices also reached an all-time high on Monday. What's next for the yellow matter? 
So, yes, um, it's not just stocks and bonds. Gold's been on quite a tear in the last four weeks, and we've seen it break several key technical levels, um, and which included setting a new daily closing all-time high. Now, receding real yields and fading dollar strength can explain part of what we just experienced in the, in the surge in gold prices. However, positive seasonality is most probably another important driver. Now, if you go back all the way to 2002, data shows that gold returns do tend to show an improvement in November uh, right through till February. And this period, of course, many of our listeners will know coincides with the festive periods of Diwali and Chinese New Year, uh, which are two periods when gold demand tends to spike in both India and China, which also tends to, be to tend to be the two largest jewelry markets globally. Now, looking forward from here, seasonality by itself is um, likely to be insufficient uh, to boost gold to yet another record high. Um, real yields in the US dollar, uh, they really remain the long-term fundamental drivers. And for gold prices to keep rising, they need to continue their down move. And here, there might be a few hurdles along the way. Technical factors, while not a headwind, are not terribly supportive either. Um, the RSI and the stochastic oscillator indicator, just as examples of important technical indicators, they're really neutral. And trend-following momentum indicators are, if anything, only mildly bearish. So on balance from here, we'd really expect more of a range-bound outcome for gold in the short term, uh, really looking at a range between $2,000 on the downside and about $2,100 as resistance on the upside. We spoke about the shiny performance of gold. However, the, the other key commodities, crude oil, didn't have such a good year. Right, It's down more than 10% year-to-date. And bulk of the slum actually came in the last week, ironically after the OPEC Plus deepened cuts. What are your latest view on that? And maybe also the CAD, right, since its performance is closely linked to the oil prices. Well, you're right. I think uh, oil has experienced quite a sell-off uh, this week particularly, um, which, as you mentioned correctly, I think comes as a surprise coming through, um, you know, at, around the OPEC meeting. Now, you can think about three potential explanations, right? Um, one is the additional sort of cuts weren't quite formalized in the new output targets. Uh, we've got macroeconomic data, uh, particularly in the U.S., in terms of job openings and ISM manufacturing. They, of course, surprised with the downside. So you got a few demand worries there. And U.S. inventories uh, snapped, uh, you know, six consecutive weeks of, of building, which should have been a positive, but market participants, of course, were focused on the still elevated U.S. output. Now, all that notwithstanding, um, I think we still expect OPEC Plus to follow through with uh, fairly substantial cuts, which should help keep oil markets relatively tight, at least in the near term. Um, and that should start to put a floor under oil prices. Now, you're right. Um, as from a currency market perspective, a rebound in oil prices would normally be positive for the Canadian dollar, given the correlation there. But today, we'd also balance that out to the Bank of Canada interest rate outlook. Um, the central bank held policy rates at a 22-year high for a third straight meeting and admittedly left the door open to another rate hike, given inflation is still on the higher side, but it also acknowledged the economic slowdown and ongoing disinflationary trend. That's why when you put these two factors together on balance, we expect dollar cat to continue trading in a fairly narrow range of about 1.338 to about 1.379 uh, over, over the next few weeks. Well, last but not the least, let's touch on China. The sentiments around China has turned half circle from optimism at the start of the year to a pervasive mood of doom and gloom right now. I think this week Moody's outlook cut captures that almost perfectly. 
any thoughts on on the Moody's uh, outlook card and its implications on the China asset classes? Well, I think in the short term we'd expect the impact uh, on major asset classes to be relatively limited, particularly when we're talking about offshore dollar-denominated bonds. Uh, so a bit of context around that, we had another major rating agency which actually reaffirmed its rating uh, and stable outlook uh, one day after the Moody's change. When you think about major Chinese uh, sovereign or quasi-sovereign funding, actually a lot of it is predominantly raised on onshore markets, not offshore markets. And when you think about major non-bank corporates and commercial banks, uh, many credit metrics are arguably quite strong on a standalone basis. Um, so that, of course, should help mitigate things as well. So we see a limited impact on, on dollar bond markets. From a currency point of view, uh, again, it's hard to draw direct conclusions from an out, outlook, re, uh, ratings outlook change, rather. Uh, and here we believe technical charts might actually offer a better view on where dollar CNH might evolve over the short term. Now, here we've had a recent crossover of the MACD indicator, and that, if anything, points to near-term upward pressure on dollar CNH. Another indicator we pay a little bit more attention to is Bollinger Bands, um, which is quite useful uh, as an indicator that the pair might be entering a period of relatively lower volatility than what we experienced in the recent past. So, putting all of that together, Technicals really argue that we, the pairs like to test this 50-day moving average uh, towards 7.262 uh, over the next couple of weeks. Thank you very much, Manpreet, for this 2023 wrap-up. Clearly, plenty we could learn learn from uh, this roller coaster year of 2023. I think that's it. We must also be forward-looking, and that is what next week's podcast is all about. We'll be publishing our 2024 outlook next week as well as the podcast series that we'll be releasing around that. Thank you so much for joining us today. Wishing you a good weekend and a wonderful week ahead. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank. For more details, visit Market Views on the Go on our website or click the link in the description.